hariatu koe e te pāpa e hone. Uh, e kore koe ware ware tia, ngā mahi kua mahia e koe, uh, ngā pau kua paupau a e koe e te whenua. Uh, ko ngā uri, uh, ko mātau, ngā, ngā uri whakasipu, uh, o wero e kawea, nō reira moe mai rā e te pāpa. When one frond dies, a new one takes its place. He mihi tēnei ki a kautakatoa e are mai o koutou taringa ki te hōtaka nei a te ahi kā. I'm Mariah Rakuraku. And I'm Justin Murray, and this is Te Ahika, providing a platform for Māori stories, people and places here on Radio New Zealand National. This past Tuesday, Iwi gathered on Ngāti Puro soil to farewell Reverend Dr Hone Te Kaurika. In tonight's broadcast, we pay tribute to him. We go back to 1980, when the restorative justice we see practised today was still a relatively new thing, and one of the voices advocating its value was Hone Ka. We believe that the whānau is still very much the viable unit for us as a people, and what we tend to do is that we ask that we take the person out of the court and we look for the family, or look for the whānau, and go back to the whānau and say, Ane, look after him. Uh, we also try and find a job, uh, stabilise the person, and then ask for, say, a three-month uh, waiting period, go back to the court and say, uh, this person has achieved this since he last appeared. Honeka, before hearing from one of his uri, Ani Pahuru Huriwai, who on learning of his death was in Wellington speaking at a conference about the way Nazi Porau are preserving their distinctive language. So, yeah, he's um, sorely going to be missed. And at home, when he, when he would come home, uh, a fountain of, uh, of knowledge <laughs> and, and, and uh, uh, lots of fun conversations between himself and his sister, Kokakiri, uh, in, in their home at Whata'amo. Lots of lively debates, and I know our Koka will miss that with her brother. And in our series, Nā Marae o Te Motu, Justine is at Taku Puahia Marae o Taku Parae. Nā reira, koera, nā korero e whaiake nei. That's our lineup. Despite the barrage of advertising, oh where, whatefare, Easter isn't just about chocolate and eggs. For the many Māori who attend the annual Te Hui Aranga, it's about celebrating their Catholic faith. Te Hahi Katsurika Te Taha Māori. Soon we'll hear Honeka and how he combined his Anglican faith with his Māori way of being as well. But for now, it's Rana Mareikura outlining what is quite possibly the oldest Māori festival in the country, Te Hui Aranga. Kurana Mareikura tōku ingoa no ohakune au no te marae o Maungārongo e ohakune te ni marae Ko ngā kōrero e nei e mōio anau mō te tīmatanga mai o te huiaranga. Te huiaranga is the annual gathering of Catholic Māori. It's been going since 1946? Yes, Ana. It has been going since 1946. At that time, in 1946, um, our pāake got an invitation from Pukekaraka, 
pure puke karakapi o, o take to join in the, in the hui aranga et puke karakavet here in 1946. Mai Being Easter, the hui will carry a kaupapa wairua. Me tautoko kātika was the kōrero. As time passed, our pa'ake then went to our people of the Whanganui River, especially Ngāti Ruaka of Rānana, inviting them to join us as one group. Our whanaunga from Ngāti Ruaka agreed, and they came together, we all came together, and went under the banner of uh, Te Wainui Arua. So it initially started off as a way of supporting the Catholic faith, and you you got a call from a rōpū in Ōtaki. Yes, it, was, it wasn't called the Hui Aranga at that time, it was called the Hui Tau. Yili Hui. And so the first school of practice was to be held at Maungarongo at that time. And Maungarongo is the marae in Ōhakune. Ana, the marae where I come from. The team being led by uh, our auntie, Kuya, Faya, Rangi Williams. Our main way at the Aringa was at the Wainui Arua, and no doubt the whole country knows about at the Wainui Arua. How does that way to go, Rana? At the Wainui Arua, kia kahara, ki te hapa inga mahinga hau o. This particular huito, as it was called then, the events included action song, choir, football, this is what we called it in those times, <laughs> basketball, tennis and ping pong. On Good Friday celebrations, the Stations of the Cross up Pukekaraka Hill and Mass on Easter Sunday at the foot of the hill will remain an inspiration to everyone who knows Pukekaraka. Anyone who has experienced this occasion would appreciate how one feels and what it does to a person. From this hui, our pa'ake asked if they could have the next hui at Maungarongo or Hakune. This, of course, was agreed to at that time out of this invitation, our pa'ake foresaw something good for the generations to come. A vision, perhaps. And that was the joining of our Māori spirituality with our Catholic way of life. And when our kororuka asked for the hui to come to him, um, there were many priests at that time, or our Māori mission priests, there must have been a dozen of our Māori mission priests, and they were running the hui. And they they all agreed with the hui being brought back here. But, you know, Aroha Kirato, uh, they didn't have the financial help. Kororoka agreed to accept the hui with whatever it had to offer as a kaupapa to help unite and our Kororuka, his name is Pepeniruka, became the first chairman of the Huiaranga and, and Pauro Maraikura, 
our uncle, became the first secretary. This was back in 1947. This was the beginning of the huito. It was still huito at that time, as it was then called, going out to the people with the view that all action song, poi and haka events should be a balanced blend of Catholic and Māori teachings, bringing about in turn Catholic Māori cultural presentations. How do you present Catholic Māori teaching? How do you present? Well, you take your Catholic ways and you present them in your Māori way. But you don't need to be Catholic to attend the hui, do you? No, most of those people back then, starting off the hui aranga, or hui to at that time, most of them weren't Catholic. But the event was the death and rising of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that is the, the kopapa, the pinnacle of Catholic life, is the death and the rising of our Lord Jesus Christ. For all presentations, um, like the action songs and the, the speeches, the whaikōrero, they're all presented in Māori. And, uh, and more and more of our young people are learning. They know how to kōrero Māori. And over your lifetime, have you noticed that uh, attendance has dropped off or increased? It depends where we are for the hui sometimes. Yes, it, it drops off a little bit, but it doesn't ruin that kaupapa. It doesn't ruin that um, the reason why we're there. The kaupapa is still very strong. Now, I understand that um, the different opu that come together to... Uh, do kapahaka or to do sports can be made up of family teams. That's right. There's many families and teams. Um, our family from Ohakuni Mangarongo, they're in many clubs uh, that attend the hui. Our families move away and so they, they support the clubs closest to them. We've got family. Where we're going to now is family and uh, Part of our family is in Taranaki. Part of our family is in Wellington. We're family everywhere. But wherever they are, they support the club closest to them. So tell me, how does the Easter weekend, how does it unfold? Everybody comes together on the Friday? The main pōhiri is on a Thursday afternoon. And the events, Start almost immediately. In in some uh, wherever the the hui is, they make up the program. You see, and sometimes, as soon as after the kai of that Thursday, there's the pohiri, and the the waikōrero, uh, the waikōrero starts. And uh, yes, yeah, it it almost starts immediately. It's from Thursday to Sunday. It's quite a full program now. It's, it's really, really full from the old days. And as well as the um, Māori-focused aspects of the program, you also have 
Catholic religious lessons included in as well? That's the main part of the hui. <laughs> so the, the sports, are, are, you know, is to to appease the young people, to appease the rangatahi. Um, and it was at that that uh, that second hui, it was here that our pāke saw fit to introduce to- trophies. And the first trophies to be introduced was the senior and the junior action song. And that was the Mare Kura Taonga. Right. That was way back in those years, carved by, by a, 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 a Tupuna Bill Tauri. And uh, the Kura Hopo Taonga was introduced for the junior team with the proviso that all team members had to be Māori. They introduced the Kura Hopo trophies. And, and Ngā Kōrero i, i putatu me ene taonga, uh, e kōrero wairua, e kōrero wairua ene. Ana, ko Ngā Kōrero tukuatu māua, hei waka poa poa i teiwi o te motu. Right. And ko Ngā Wairua is, is like saying, you know, send us out to touch the world. So the spiritual. Ariatu nei, the the kōrero is inana mai rā e te motu nei kia ki te koe taku rā wenga i taku pūkaya. It's, it's like, you know, ko ngā wairua e kōrero ana, look at my beauty. Not at the beauty flesh, but the beauty of the wairua that I have. And so koe rā te mai i tukunātu ai e nei taonga i rongo ai koe e waka poa poa i teiwi o te motu to touch the people around the world with their spirituality. So it's a real way of um, of touching base with one's s- spiritual f- beliefs as a Catholic Māori. Anna, remembering we were Māori first and we were Catholic after. Ooh, as a Māori Catholic. We were born Māori and made Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> Kia ora, rāna māre kura And the waiata you heard was from kids at Jerusalem School, Whanganui River And a shout out to Korte Wilson no i whakaritingia tēnei kōrero Right now, te huianga is winding down in Ōpononi As the whanau are readying themselves for their trips To their respective homes around the country Travel safe whanau mā And details about the huiaranga And the kōrero you just heard Is at our website RadioNZ.co.nz Forward slash Te Ahika You're listening to the sound of Te Ahika With Justine Murray and Mariah Rakuraku It's your boy Taina Mai te hahi katsorika Ki te hahi mihingare From Catholics to Anglican And the venerable Reverend Dr Hone Te Kauru Ka Who died on the 29th of March Proudly Ngāti he moved within all facets of the community, made easier in some ways because he combined intellectual debate with religious theology and his taha wairua with his taha Māori tanga.
Born in Rangitsukia in 1941, he attended the local Rangitsukia primary school before heading off to boarding school Hatsotipene, St. Stephen's in Auckland. He stayed entering St. John's Theological College and training as a priest and had returned there time and time again over the years taking up various teaching positions. He ministered throughout the country, Porangahau, Taupo and Auckland becoming involved in various advocacy roles, be it Indigenous, Māori or Tamariki. The year is 1980. Whaingata is the interviewer and it's Honeka in the chair as an example of how one's integrity really can carry itself throughout a lifetime. And welcome again to Te Puna Wai Kōrero. Hone Te Kauruka is a familiar figure at Māori functions held in the Auckland area. At 18 stone, with a booming voice, no one can miss him standing out in any crowd. His work as Māori missioner for the Anglican Church brings him into contact with his people at tangis, seminars and other functions. He now talks about the role of the missioner. Basically his task is to act as the listening post for the Anglican Church. Uh, not just for the Diocese of Auckland, but also for the Bishopric of Aotearoa. Not just a listening post, but a, a point from which uh, the church might begin to see itself in that you know, total sort of urban area we know as Auckland. Um, to try and find out just exactly what the church can do, whether it can say anything uh, at all within that community. And have you found the, the role of Māori mission a, a changing role in modern society? Oh, very much so. Uh, when I came here, it was very much um, an establishment in that uh, it was a plant that was already set up. It already had a defined role. Uh, you were very much the pastor in terms of visiting the sick, um, visiting people at home, uh, caring for those elders who come out to who belong to the place. Uh, and generally sort of doing the uh, the band-aid things like uh, uh, fulfilling people's physical needs when they came, taking the tangis, uh, visiting the sick in hospital. Uh, that's what it started off as. And along with that has come a development of our, of, of our marae, tatai hono, as a sort of cultural pivot as well. So that it's more than just a church thing, it's as much a cultural thing as it is a religious thing. And out of that springs a, a whole lot of things. You can't really say, well, I'll do this this week, this another week. Uh, the marae often writes the sort of agenda that you have. And because of that, there is constant change. Uh, there's also a lot of tension that goes with it. But the change is also seen in that now we have a full-time court worker, Letty Brown, and she represents us at one of the points at which people feel the tensions and she's willing to stand up in the court and say I'm here on behalf of the Anglican Māori Mission and my task is to offer an alternative to the institutions that already exist. You know, that's one of the changes. Eh? What are the alternatives to the normal institutions that the court have to resolve, re resort to? Well, we believe that the whānau is still very much the viable unit for us as a people. And what we tend to do is that we ask that we take the person out of the court 
and we look for the family, or look for the whanau, and go back to the whanau and say, Ane, look after him. Uh, we also try and find a job, uh, stabilize the person, and then ask for, say, a three-month uh, waiting period. Go back to the court and say, uh, this person has achieved this since he last appeared. And the court will usually waive any, any sentence. You know, that's probably the, the strongest alternative we've got. We also have a hostel. Uh, we also work in with Arohanui, which is run by Betty Walk. Those are alternatives, viable alternatives, uh, where people can go for breeding space. They become refuge centers. Better than sending kids to social welfare homes. Better than committing people to Waikiri or even Mount Eden. But how has this been accepted by the court, Horneka? Quite readily. There's a great deal of flexibility in the way the magistrate can, can determine where, which way a person goes. And some magistrates are very willing to do that, and they're very sensitive to the fact that uh, if you offer an alternative which looks good and is good, then in terms of cost to the country, there's a hell of a saving. After all, it costs, what, nearly $10,000 a year to keep a person in maximum security in a year. And if you take that person, uh, then it's really, really costing the state is $32.50 per week for the doll. You know, and there's, there's that kind of saving. So, in effect, the Māori missioner is offering uh, a spiritual bail bond? In a sense, yes. Um, not just the Māori missioner as such, but the, the, I'd like to see it in terms of uh, the Māori mission uh, sort of doing that. We also have to offer surety ourselves. Uh, we often have to go bail bond uh, to the tune of about $500, which we don't always have, but we're willing to take that kind of risk. Uh, there are a whole lot of risks that you, that, you, that you often feel you have to take, like uh, standing in court and saying, well, I'm prepared to take this person. And it's really placing yourself as a person on the line. Because uh, often the, the people that you get caught with or you become involved with are usually at the tail end of all the aid agencies. They've been through the lot. They've used a lot, and they've reached the point of no return. And if you're the last one, then you really are on the line. you know. And uh, But we're lucky with a person like Letty and with a guy like uh, Eddie McLeod, who works a voluntary capacity. They've got a good feeling about people, and they're, they're prepared to, to, to put their necks on the line. The marae that's attached to the Māori mission, the part of the Māori mission, Tata Ihono, um, you say it acts as a pivot. Now, you also uh, use the facilities of the marae for groups not within your uh, immediate sort of uh, jurisdiction. Can you explain the use of the marae uh, by these people? Yeah, we have um, one tribal association, Tairawhiti. Uh, at the moment, because I'm from the same sort of uh, tribal area as them, they like to think of this as their home that they can, that they can come to. Uh, I feel comfortable about that. Now, it's because it's a marae uh, that it needs to be open to all people. Now, the religious work of the Māori missioner in Auckland, uh, what place is religion playing in modern-day Māori life? Rather sadly, um, if you're looking for physical evidence in terms of response to the religious side of, of man, then one has to say very little, 
because in terms of church attendance, we don't um, have all that great a response. But I'm not really worried about that because I think uh, our role really is to offer our faith and at the points at which people need us, not when we think they ought to be there. And the tangi, the sick, and points like that, there's still viable points for expression of that. I no longer hold to the thesis that uh, the Maori is a naturally religious person, because I think there's, there's too many dangers inherent in saying that he's a religious person. Religious about what? Uh, religious to whom? I like to think that he's still a faith-filled person, because he's still having to take risks, and I've got to be there at those points at which he begins to feel that I'm necessary at that particular point. Uh, it's not my place to go in there and tell him just exactly what he ought to be doing about his faith. I joke about that. I crack jokes about that with, uh, I mean, people like you. I keep saying to you, um, I'm genuine church lately, but that's not really, you know, that's, that's the kind of thing that you say to people, but it's not important at that point. What about the part of the uh, Māori mission in the work of the wider Anglican church, the parent church? I guess in terms of um, the wider Anglican church, we are in effect an embarrassment because it's an admission from the total church about its inability to deal with ethnic minorities. And so we become a necessary embarrassment only in that we challenge the very context in which we belong, you know, that sort of parent body. We relate to it. We don't necessarily reflect it because it's not, it's not possible for me to reflect everything that the Anglican Church wants me to be because I'm essentially a cultural animal and my cultural base is a Maori one and that's what I prefer to reflect. And it's often out of kilter with what's expected of me as an Anglican priest. But I, you know, I'm not worried about that. Cross-cultural contact with, um, with other members of the church, does this take place at all? Yes, but at a very minor sort of level, uh, partly because I prefer, uh, prefer to do things my own way, in what I consider to be a Māori way, not the Māori way. And if there is any sort of contact, it's at a very superficial level. I guess it's because um, we are very strong in ourselves. We're small, we're secure. Uh, we have to fight for every bit that we've got. We've got it, and we know where we're going. We don't always get there, of course, but, uh, and I guess in a sense we challenge the very institution that we're a part of. Uh, and I think uh, some of our Pākehā brethren find us a bit frightening because they don't altogether understand us. Uh, it's partly our own fault. We're not too willing to teach just exactly what it is that we're about. And uh, that's born out of my own sort of feeling that um, I don't really need to justify everything that I'm doing. 
uh, in the end, what counts for me is what God thinks of what I'm doing, not what my Pagaha brother thinks of what I'm doing, because we're both working towards the same end. I guess it's uh, probably terribly idealistic to say that, but um, you know, that's where I am at this point. What are the main uh, areas of difference in working as Māori missionary in Auckland and working in a normal parish, which you have already done? Oh, vast difference. In the last area I worked in, in the, it was a rural area, everything is defined. I worked in, in the Kahungunu area. Now, my mother is Kahungunu, and so it was it was, in a sense, very easy for me to fit in. But um, I knew just exactly what my place was uh, on every marae that I went to. I knew what my task was. Uh, it was a simple task, very simple. Um, you didn't have to justify anything that you did. You didn't have to feel you had to justify everything that you did. Because the context in which you were working was definitely a Māori thing. Uh, here, you had to establish the Māoriness, right? And you had to give it roots, you had to give it shape, you had to give it form. And by doing that, you in effect challenge the other, uh, the parent body who said, you may now exist, you, know, you may now become. And I guess for the parent body in some ways, that becomes a risk that they take. And that's the essential difference Horne, what about the future of the uh, mission? Many people say that the Māori race has been favoured throughout the years with uh, its own Māori Affairs Department. Are there any undercurrents of dissension in the Church that the Māori people appears to be favoured yet again, but uh, within the uh, framework of uh, the work of the mission within the wider Anglican Church? Yes, there's always that. We are always constantly being told uh, by, by well-meaning uh, fellow Christians that we're all children of God. Why do you need to have a Māori mission? Why do you need to talk to God as Māoris? Can't we sort of talk to him together as, as his children? I would say I'm into that. No problem about that. But the problem is, you see, um, that arises in my mind is we can say the Our Father together he can say it in English, I want to say it in Māori. Now, I know when I can say Amen in Māori, but he doesn't. And, you know, I have no problems about that. It, if it causes him problems, then, you know, that's something that he has to learn to live with. Uh, where do we go from here? I'm not quite sure. All I know is that I think the more we can add, the more we can give in terms of assisting our people, not necessarily, necessarily Anglicans, Māoris in general, uh, to discover just exactly how they can get to where they're going, I guess we're doing something. Now, it'll take a long time. Often it, it, it's a very painful process doing that. Where do we go from here? Again, I'm not sure, and I'm not really worried about that. The thing is that we're doing something which I feel is important at this point. If it changes in a few years' time, and if Māori people say to us, we don't need you anymore, you'll quietly disappear. But at then, 
again, it's up to them to say, we don't need you anymore. But what about your own hopes for the, for the mission? Do you hope that one day it will have to self-destruct? Yeah, I guess that's uh, it's a dream that I'm not quite sure that I want to live with. It's that possibility that it might self-destruct. I think it will self-destruct if it reaches the point where people say, we don't need you anymore. I'm not too sure that I want to work towards that. I don't want to do myself out of a job. <laughs> I like my work at the moment. I like the way the mission is is becoming very much a place where people feel a part of, very much a place where people feel at home. Horne te kauruka, Anglican Māori missioner for the Auckland area. And with that, we end this edition of Te Puna Wai Kōrero. This is Whaingata wishing you all a very good morning and he konara motini wa from Te Reo o Aotearoa. Kia ora, an archival series na taonga kōrero with Whaingata and Honeka. Nei rā te mihi ki tōna whānau e noho nei ki ngā sepurau. When it comes to tangihana, you pretty much get into ready mode and drop everything just to head back to the whānau. This can be even more pressured if you live some distance away from where the tupapaku lies, which can range from being at their haukainga, being at a pa in the city, or being at their home. Then there's what happens when you actually live at their haukainga normally, but are away from there when you hear of a death. Normally you would be in the role of welcoming a tupapaku home. Now, many of us have done the mission drive home to Creek to Papaku. There's no hard and fast rules, but it's always guided by Tikanga Māori. Ani Pahuru Furiwai found herself in this position last week when, alongside the busloads of Nazi Purau, who had travelled down to Wellington to sign off on their treaty settlements, Justine met up with her in Wellington. Kia ora, ko Ani Pahuru Furiwai awau no Farekahika, uh, no no te tairawhiti, no Ngāti Purau. Kia ora, kia ora, Ani. So the past, um, in, in the wake of the, um, the death of uh, Honeka, how will Ngāti Purau be feeling the effect today? Um, well, we, we got word of um, Uncle Hone passing away last night um, uh, whilst we were uh, celebrating the signing of the deed of settlement for Ngāti Purau. Um, and everybody is feeling it. Uncle Hone was, um, you know, an advocate for, um, you know, stopping violence in, in families and against our children. Uh, he was a esteemed uh, reverend in the in the Anglican Church, and um, and a stalwart for Te Reo o Ngāti Purau, me on a tikanga. So um, Ngāti Purau definitely uh, feeling it. There, we're all we're all heading home uh, this uh, today. Uh, without a doubt, uh, all of Ngāti Purau will be either um, going to Auckland, where he's lying in state there, to pay their respects to, and then bringing him home, where we'll be waiting to receive him. Mm. Yeah. In terms of Honeka and um, his Ngāti Purautanga, how, how did, in your, um, in your capacity as a, as a, um, as a Ngāti Purau, as a real speaker, um, uh, how did he encompass Ngāti Purau, or what do you think he represented when it came to your iwi? Well, Uncle Hone lived in Auckland for many years, yeah. so for a lot of Ngāti Purau there, he was, he was the Pau. 
You know, he was the man everybody went to for guidance and advice, whether that was about Dereo or anything really. Um, he counselled a lot of a lot of our, our Ngāti Purau whānau away from home. So um, they went to him because he was a pakeke from home and um, and he was a good listener. So he's um, he he's going to be sorely missed by the whānau in Auckland, especially because um, you know, kua ngaro te, te pau uh, o te kainga ki reira. Um, so yeah, he's um, sorely going to be missed. And at home, when he when he would come home, uh, a fountain of uh, of knowledge <laughs> and, and uh, uh, lots of fun conversations between himself and his sister Kokakiri. Uh, in, in their home at Fataamo, lots of lively debates, and I know our Koka will miss that with her brother, um, having those discussions and and arguments uh, at home about Te Reo and about any every everything to do with Ngāti Purau. He's passionate about it. And um, in terms of uh, the Auckland Ngāti Purau Fano, there, um, how long did he live in Auckland? And he did a lot of work with Māori there, at least. 30 years he lived in Auckland um, and uh, he's, he's worked with uh, um, He's he's the chaplain at uh, one of the main hospitals there. What do you think his legacy will be? Oh, his legacy? Um, gosh, he's got many legacies but certainly in the church, in the Anglican faith um, you know, he has he's groomed uh, many uh, young um, uh, priests into the into the church, and there needed to be an injection of of youth into the, into that into the faith, and so he's done that, and I, I think probably um, that's his that's his biggest legacy, and in, in his and in his his children, and his mokopuna, um, they, you know, there's no greater legacy than your children and your mokopuna, and that, and, and the, just the things that he's done um, recently around the um, trying to annihilate uh, the abuse of children in our homes and that kaupapa that he's, he's been very passionate about um, carrying to the motu. Um, so that legacy remains and will continue to, you know, um, will continue to drive that, that kaupapa around the country. Um, no doubt uh, Manariki will continue and the good work that he started uh, will, will have uh, the fruits that we, we desire. Ai, kia ora, anipa huru hiriwai, no Ngāti Purau. Shall we back in upcoming Te Ahika, talking about the innovative ways Ngāti Purau are reconnecting with their reo. Ngā marae o te motu. Uh, Justin Murray, Radio New Zealand National Te Ahika, Ngā marae o te motu, has me going around uh, Pōneke, Wellington, and I've arrived to uh, Takapu Wahia Marae here in uh, Porirua with uh, Taku Pārai. Kia ora, Taku. Kia ora. Kia so Taku, we're here at Takapu Wahia Marae. Uh, in terms of the location, it's Porirua near the Titahi Bay entrance, Porirua West, East. Pākehā reference, this is, yeah, Porirua, west side of the harbour. 
So it's a beautiful sunny day. Uh, now we are uh, to the right side of the Farinui. Tell us the name of the Farinui, please. The Farinui, his name is Toranga Chira. Um, obviously, that's where we get our name from. Our name derives from uh, our bottom ancestor, Toranga Chira. We take his name out of there, Ngati Tua. And this one here was opened in 1982. The original one before that was opened in uh, 1901. Uh, my grandmother got married at the opening of the original one. Oh boy. And the kawa of this marae? It's Tainui kawa. We, uh, we, we are of the Tainui waka. And um, we follow uh, the tika and kawa of Tainui, tuatutuma. So this is quite a um, large area, um, Taku. We have quite a few whare on this piece of mm. land that we're looking at right now. So to the to the other side of the whare nui, is that like a whakarurihau for the kaumātua? Whakarurihau, yep. it used to be to an rest. old whareikai. Oh, really? Right next to the whare nui? Right next to the whare nui. So come out of the whare nui in for kai. And uh, as a kid, we uh, it's actually a bit bigger. <laughs> As you see, we've actually built onto it. And because the other house was a lot smaller, the whakakai was a lot smaller. The old whakakai. So you could have four or five sittings before all the manuhiri are fed. Wow. It was so so small. small and compact. Yeah. And, and at the back was, uh, was the kota, was uh, all the cooking area and that, uh, you know, like all other marae. Plenty of smoke, plenty of big pots, and, <laughs> and plenty of fire. And then we come over to the other side of the Whare Nui uh, Tuarangatira. Is that the ablution? That's the ablution block. Yep. And there's the, um, yes, that's uh, our Māori Women's Welfare League. That's where they hold their huis. Yep. And of course, our Whareikai here, Parihonuku, um, is, can seat up to four to five hundred. It's huge in there. Yeah, it's, it's quite, uh, quite big. But in some cases, a lot of the families say it's big, it's nice, it does the job a lot better, one sitting for most things. But the actual closeness of the whānau and the way to that one there was uh, well as truly missed. The name once again, uh, Taku? Parehonuku. And, and where does that name uh, come from? Parehonuku is uh, one of the wives of Tōrangatira. now. You know, in Wellington, being the capital of New Zealand, uh, Taku there, you know, with government launches and, and government events, and I've been here a couple of times where, during the Rugby World Cup fever where they had the launch of the Māori design, fashion designs. Takapuwai here seems to be a very uh, busy marae, ne? Mm. It's always busy. It's always busy. And because uh, you have... Um, when you have a look centrally at Wellington and Northern marae, Traditionally, this is the only marae, traditional marae in the region. What do you mean by traditional? Well, it's uh, it's, it's it's on its original land. It's uh, you know it was um, uh, once uh, an area that was fortified, but now it's sort of like an open marae. As time went on, we came from Urukahika, which is just down the road. 
up on the hill to here. In 1901, we opened the old whare, and this one is in 1982. Uh, throughout the Hutt Valley, you know, they're all sort of like built quite recently mm. with government support. In Wellington, you have the contemporary style of Tapu Taranga, and then down, yes. to, down to Pipitia, which was bought was built with government support, right into Waifatu, which was the same, out of a community uh, exercise. But here, it's just built by the people, originally by the people. And it was a call from our people, all those who had the building skills to come home. Ataku, we don't, unfortunately, we don't have access to inside the Farinui, but uh, could you tell us, could you explain, uh, are there photos, are there tukutuku oh, panels? Inside the, inside the Farinui, there's tukutuku panels. Yep. Um, that were, it was a sort of um, uh, a, a new exercise when they put all the tukutuku panels together. What do you mean new? Oh, oh you mean it didn't you know, have any? People who had the old traditional knowledge right. were gone. You know, so we had to sort of call on our family, you know, to come home who had that knowledge. They could cut the ping out, they could find the proper harakeke, the colouring for dyes and all that. And we managed to get through all that. And so there's um, uh, there's tukutuku in, in there. And when we opened the house, uh, it was a lot of sort of excitement and anxiety from other um, Malay sort of leaders around the country because they had heard that uh, Ngāti saw opening their new whare and had gone uh, out on a limb. Contemporary. Contemporary, <laughs> modern. yeah. And gone out on a limb in, in terms of... A, a and that was back in the 80s, yeah, that say, was back in the 80s. So that would have been, yep. In a contemporary sense. And uh, so they were all here on the morning of the opening, you know, real anxious to get in there. And uh, the philosophy of the house is... Uh, uh, inside we've got sort of brown carpet, and uh, at the between the the roof and the and the walls, um, there's uh, uh, palmets. Palmets. Palmets along the along the wall with lights behind them. Oh, okay. Yeah. Kind of like shades. Yeah. Shady or... sort of lighting, yeah. and it gives off a yellow yellow sort of kofi, sort of a light light touch of yellow, and then on the walls there were these. Uh, 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 slats, green sort of slats against a wall. And so the philosophy was brown floor, uh, was Papa Tunuku, our earth brother, and the green sort of slats like that depicted growth and energy and upspringing of life. And the yellow depicted a, a cycle where it was now autumn and the leaves fall to the ground and the cycle continues. And that's the... Uh, that's the philosophy of the house, and that's how they built it towards uh, telling that type of that type of story. Their life is forever; it evolves, and it continues. And our our role as the iwi is to continue to breathe life into our people, so that they become one and part of who they are. Are there photos inside the photo? No, 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 no photos. Yeah, old people wouldn't let let them because it was such a beautiful. They wouldn't allow nails to go into the wall, you know. And uh, no, so there's no photos in there at all. Any people that you like to mention, Taku, instrumental in the early days of setting up this, oh, yeah. this um, marae? My auntie, uh, uh, auntie Puanga, auntie Puanga is of Ngāti Kuata, Ngāti Tōn descent, but lived most of her life in Auckland. And so um, 
an SOS call went out to Auntie Ponga to come back and lead the, uh, the Tuku Tuku work. She came down and got all that area sort of sorted out. Um, Uncle Machu Uncle Machu is uh, is one of the was one of the senior senior Kaumatu on the Marae here, and um, he was in charge of. Well, he came down and spent his entire life, you know, doing things on the Marae. The poor Hokutan, uh He was he was in charge of the philosophy, creating the colours, and uh, creating the actual uh, essence of the house. And Marge Hammond from across the road there, um, known as Auntie Marge, she was the one that actually worked very, very hard to get the funds to be able to create and build uh, what we have there today. And she married into the family. And, um, you know, and because um, she was so uh, so well appreciated by the old people, because she put a whole lot of energy and effort into raising funds to, to complete the, the whare and that, they actually named uh, one of the uh, tuku panels after her, one of the big ones. Yeah, and she's still alive while well, she's still alive. So that's a great tribute, and Ngāti Tō will always uh, remember the contribution she made to us. Mm. Where yes. is the um, urupā taku, the, we uh, have, the uh, cemetery? We have, one, we have three urupā here. Well, one's up on the hill up there, yep. behind the chapel. See the chapel roof? Chapel. Oh, the oh. steeple. Oh, the yes, yes. Yeah, behind there. Yep, and so one it's behind further us away. on the hill. Yeah, and then we... So three belong to this particular three, marae? To this marae. Depending on what, which whānau? Yeah, whānau. And we have the one in Hongaweka. Okay. Out there, who are all our family as well. And we have one in uh, Pukarua Bay, which is a nasty tour of too. Oh. It's just as you go down towards the sea. How often do you go well, out? Well, when a particular family yeah. passes away, yep. we know that um, they're going to be buried up there. So you know, all the grave diggers go out there and get it all ready. It's just on the top of the hill as you go down uh, Pukuru Bay Hill onto the um, beside the seaside there. Yeah, so, yeah, it's yeah. beautiful out there, beautiful scenery. Great view. So those are the Urupa. Yeah. Kapai. I'm with Takupara here at Takapuwahi Marae. Where uh, the Marae is chugging along nicely. Oh, the Marae is awesome. <laughs> the Marae is awesome. I mean, it's uh, it's a hive of action. Yes. Um, we've got some good people leading the Marae. Our Marae committee is quite active. We've got um, Rangatahi, organised Rangatahi group, Komatua Council. And uh, also we include uh, our whānau from Waito, from Blenheim, and uh, Whakatū, Devil Island as well. So we're all represent, they're all represented in our board, which uh, allows us to all have input into the way uh, things are done, built, organised and arranged. Kei tuatuki tērā takupārau, kia ora rā. Tēnā koe. Ngā marae o te motu. Just staying at Takupuahia Marae, Porirua Wellington with Takuparae. Anaira, Ani Pahuru Huriwai with this week's Fakatoki. When one frond dies, another takes its place. So what this means is the legacy left by Honeka is solid enough that it will be taken up by others.
And speaking of legacies, next week, one who's going to be leaving a huge one at Auckland University, I'm with Professor Michael Walker talking about the mentoring scheme for Māori and Pacific students. And I catch up with Māori singer, I remember her from the 90s, Marie Sheehan, and how would Marae organise themselves in the event of a disaster? I'm in Wainui Omata with Civil Defence and representatives from 13 Marae. Now before we sign off, you guys take care driving out there on those roads. He mihi tēnei ki a koutou katoa ki te whānau kā ki te iwi o Ngāti Porau. Ngā mihi aroha ki a koutou. He mihi anō ki ngā kai rā, wiki wiki mihini. Hoki mai hei tērā rā tapu, mai te whānau a te ahi kā ki a tata katoa. Mauri ora!